Welcome to Quick Brain, bite-sized brain hacks for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more. I'm your coach, Jim Quick. Free your mind. Let's imagine if we could access 100% of our brain's capacity. I wasn't high, wasn't wired, just clear. I knew what I needed to do and how to do it. I know Kung Fu. Show me. Welcome back, Quick Brain. So how do you imagine? We always talk about the power of imagination and how it helps you to be able to solve problems and make good decisions. We talk about the power of vision in our show. I'm so excited about this because to talk about this today, we have Beth Comstock. We actually met at Singularity University. Yeah, several years ago. I know we both are students of exponential technology and where the world is going. And we talk about learning and transformation and leadership. We share a love of brain science. It is. We could geek out often about that. So Beth is, as many of you know, the former CMO and vice chair of General Electric. So you have an incredible amount of history there. What I wanted to talk about is your new book. I'm excited about this because I read it last night. It's called Imagine It Forward. And it talks about courage. It talks about creativity. It talks about change. And I wanted to talk about imagination. How do you define imagination and how do we tap this incredible potential, both in individuals and organizations? Yeah. I mean, to me, imagination is sort of our innate humanness. It's often something that makes people at work feel very uncomfortable. As I sort of put my book together and thought about the arc of a career, imagination was a word that just had carried me through, even to the point that it became part of the tagline that I helped launch at GE. And why I'm so fascinated with it is because it is about creative problem solving. Mm. It is about that ability to take leaps of faith and kind of ponder new potential futures. And I think it's a bit of a challenge in the world we're in right now. And I call it in the book, the imagination gap, that I feel too many companies are just focused on the here and now. They want to already know the answer. They want efficiency, productivity, short-termism, and the idea of actually thinking ahead both good and bad. I mean, thinking ahead isn't all just everything positive. We don't do that. We don't make time. It seems like a luxury. And so I believe efficiency and all of our focus on data is squeezing the imagination out of us. People don't schedule even like white space. Not at all. So I was reading your book and you're talking about space so you could have that time to have your thoughts pondered, to be able to be creative. And so what would you recommend then? What keeps people from doing this? Besides the fact that they don't really teach that in school. Yeah. It's something that scares people, the idea of creativity. It makes it sound like we're supposed to be wearing a beret and holding a paintbrush. And, you know, it's like, oh, you do that in your free time, as opposed to the fact that, again, in the age of AI, where basically everything that's manual and repeatable is going to be taken over, all we're going to be left with is our human creativity and imagination. And we're not training people of what do we do with it. What I've learned in the course of my career, I think my own personal journey, I think people are first afraid of it. I think they're afraid of maybe their power of, can they think of a creative idea? And they're afraid of what that means if they can. Conversely, I think some people just are convinced they're not that way. And they somehow early in life, people told them you're not creative. Mm. And so they're afraid of even expressing themselves. And what I try to do in the book is say, really, I think it's behavior science. Your first step is to just give yourself permission. Just say, I'm going to take a risk on that. I'm just going to try one small thing. So it's like speaking up in that meeting. Um, Exactly. Put one idea out there, just one small thing that is kind of a leap forward. And so I think that's what happens is people don't give themselves permission because they're afraid of it for whatever reason. It's interesting because the expectations of being judged 
if you buy into other people's opinions and expectations, you literally could just go broke sometimes. And I could see that when we're talking about behavioral science, how that can limit somebody from wanting to make a mistake. Yeah. It's a lot of fear to make a mistake. It's also our own fears. Like we imagine things in our heads and then we try to get it out on paper in the world and right. it's never as good out here as it is up there, right? It's right, great. especially when you're iterating. Yeah. I mean, I thought my book like it's gonna be brilliant. And I little did I know, like eighteen months later, how many iterations, it's a struggle. Do you think some people they don't take that first step because they want it to be perfect? Yeah, I think that's a lot of it. I think anytime I meet a high school teacher or a college professor, I ask them this question, you know, what are you seeing in your students? And I mm. now have enough pattern recognition there. We're seeing the students afraid to take a risk. And it comes down to just a fear of being perfect often. There's also this other a fear that they're not going to be successful, which may be a flip side of the same issue. So fear of success also. Yeah, not being as successful as the world thinks they should be, as they think they should be. So they're just afraid to even try. It's so interesting because you mentioned children because we get to work with a lot of children and children don't really have that. Is it something that you think is learned? I mean, it's like a child who fall when they're trying to learn how to walk. You know, you don't go to the child and say, okay, this is not for you you know, you're never going to be able to walk again. But as human beings, sometimes we're scared of that expectation. Yeah, I think it is. And I think also, I mean, I'm a mother, my daughters are grown, but I just think of parenting and the things I wish I had done more of. I think we had a very creative household, but I know it's demanding too. And overscheduling kids, right? I mean, when you just said earlier, how do we give our kids time to think in an overscheduled world? It was always pressure on homework, all these kinds of things. The other thing I've been thinking a lot for kids and for people at work is just the need to figure it out. I think as parents, we want to give our kids the answer. We want a simple checklist, maybe right. there's a tutor who can help coach them. Really, the best thing is just to say, here's the problem. Now you figure it out. I'll coach you. I'll give you some feedback. But I think we've lost that art a bit with our kids. You know, sometimes learning and just like life can be messy. Yeah, exactly. It is messy. And so people don't want to make those mistakes, right. which they're not going to be great at it the first time out, obviously. Yeah. So for the parents who are actually watching that, in hindsight, what would you recommend to cultivate? Because if you get to them early, yeah, that would be... Yeah. I mean, I think you're seeing new models of education coming up. Mm-hmm. I have someone who spent some time in Silicon Valley and getting to know a lot of startups. I'm encouraged by the new startup thinking that's going into education. And I think some of that's yeah. trying to bring some of this back. For every time you stimulate your kid to go forward in coding... What are you doing to give them more expression in terms of another kind of creative exercise? Yeah. And so I think we're pushing our kids even further in that, like effort in STEM, which I love because I came out of technology, but the STEAM idea, the arts that go with it, the critical thinking, Mm. right? It's not just, can you draw a picture? I think it's problem solving. Here's a dilemma. How would you solve that? It's ethics. And those kind of things, I think, are becoming more and more distant in how we teach our kids. Yeah. Because you were mentioning in terms of trends, things are going to be automated or you have AI. And so what makes us human? Creativity, imagination, maybe some strategy. I think strategy is a really big thing. We're in this time of just crazy change. It's emerging all over the place. You know, 20 years ago, we were like, oh, it's a black swan. Well, now they're flying all over the place, right? They're disrupting and emerging. And so how are you going to solve a problem you've never had before? I'll tell you a story. I mean, you're going to do it by creativity, but I'll tell you a story that helped me really think about this. I was coming back from San Francisco and the flight was delayed. The pilot comes out to where we're all waiting to get on. He gets on. He said, great news. We've lost our autopilot. 
and I get to fly us home. I'm one of the few remaining pilots at United who's certified to fly without autopilot. I want you to know I've been flying <laughs> for 34 years and I've been waiting for this day for a long time because I love flying. And to think that we've trained all these pilots yeah. that if the autopilot goes away, That's... they don't have the judgment, experience, and critical thinking to get us home. Like, so... Do we want to live our life on autopilot? And that's a bit of what I'm trying to do with the book is say like in business and in life, but don't be on autopilot. Don't wait for everybody to give you the checklist. Yeah, a pilot needs a checklist yeah. before he takes off, but he also needs quick thinking and judgment and creativity if something goes wrong. I mean, it's interesting in school, they teach you things like what to learn, like math and yeah. history and science and Spanish, all yeah. important things of what to learn. But there aren't a lot of classes on how to learn. Yeah. How would you instruct someone on that? I'm fascinated. How would you? I... Yeah. So in terms of critical thinking, yeah. and problem solving, yeah. decision making skills, focus, concentration, yeah. even accessing flow states also as well. Oh, flow states is a good one. I think about the learning challenges that I had as a kid for my brain injury and that these are things that would help tremendously. Yeah. yeah. When we're talking about problem solving. We have an annual quick brain conference. One year we had Quincy Jones in the audience, like Matt Mullenweg from WordPress and a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders. I pulled Quincy on stage because I just had to use this opportunity just to be able to share. And I asked him about his history. I was talking about how most people talk about his successes and he just had a recent documentary, just came on Netflix recently called Quincy Detailing His Life, which he has this incredible wins. But I wanted to ask him about his challenges, right? And the problems, because yeah. that actually is really interesting to me, what people have to face. That's right. why I found your book so interesting. Yeah, I really tried to document the mess you said earlier. Right. The mess, it's not all perfect. And that's good too, because I think a lot of people, they just see the finished product right. sometimes, or some people are just in social media, they see everybody's filtered and curated life. Yeah. And they don't see what's going on underneath the iceberg. But I asked Quincy like about the problems specifically, how he overcame the problems. And he looked at me like puzzled. He was like, Jim, I don't have any problems. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm sure you have something yeah, that's going answer. on. Yeah. And you know, you're 85 years old and you know, what, what was, you know, creating We Are the World or Thriller or whatever it is, what were the, some of the biggest challenges? Yeah. And he says, no, no problems. He said, I don't have any problems, I have puzzles. Hmm. And it's interesting that one Explain shift me. in a word yeah. Yeah. changes everything. Cause when you think about a puzzle, it's fun. There's a solution. Yeah. So when you're and there's a flow to it. Exactly. Because you're, right, you're kind of in. You want to. And you're engaged. So what would you say for people who are listening at home and they have their set of puzzles, right? They have their problems, yeah. whether it's in their health or in their business, growing their business. Maybe it's in marketing or it's in their relationship. Yeah. Is there a framework that you subscribe to in terms of how do you handle this new challenge? I'm big on setting a vision. I'm big mm. on vision setting. And to me, vision is a story. So it's a story you're telling yourself of where you're going. Like story is another thread for me through my career. I started out to be a journalist and mm. ended up in business. But I believe in story and the power of story to move you forward. And I think a couple of things about story is you have to recognize where you've come from. Okay. But it's not just all about here I'm going in the future. Like where did I come from? And it's an aspiration. I may not get there. I aspire to get there. Where I've come from makes me believe I'm going to get there. And so I think that's a really important thing. Don't lose sight of that vision. I think there's a test and learn method. You just got to start. You just got to, okay, here's where I'm going. I want to get better health, which I did this year when I sort of left my company. I want to get better health. Yes. I have a vision of what that looks like. What's held me back in the past? I've been stressed out. I've traveled too much. I eat horribly when I travel, right? Mm. So and now what are the things I'm going to do? 
and I'm going to take some steps. And it's just small, deliberate steps. I found that innovation and navigating change is like going on a diet. And if it was so easy, we wouldn't need to buy all these diet books, right? Right. Same with change and innovation in a company. And what do you see? Just simple steps. And then the last thing to what I said earlier, just got to give yourself permission to do those things. That's interesting going to when you're talking about steps. It's just like with your health, you don't go to the gym one time and no. all of a sudden you're just fit for the rest of your yeah. life. You don't need one good meal or just you know sleep one good night. That consistent action, I feel like little things done consistently add up to really big, big things. things. And if you're navigating change, you see this better way. You want to innovate, you know, your idea you want to go forward. There's also that failure piece of it that you're signing up for. You're testing what works and doesn't. It's about learning. And I worry about that these days in our world because it's like, I think Silicon Valley has contributed this fail fast, fail small. Like right. it's all really fun and no one likes to fail. Right. But you're trying to do it in smaller ways. So you're learning and you're building momentum as you do it. I think the recipe for not success is I have this huge vision. I'm all in. Everything's like all up front. And then you set the stakes really high to begin with, as opposed to figuring a deliberate way. That's just been the approach I found more successful. So how do you approach failure then? Because when I was reading this, I felt like the book could have been like... Fail forward. It could really. <laughs> was this the title? I always want to do something with imagination. And the forward part to me was about the future. Right. And also just quite literally, I wanted it to be able to give it to somebody like, here's some courage. I'd like you to give yourself and permission to go for it. So there was that play right. on it, but I had to share the messiness of the struggle. Yeah. You're not going to get everything right. And it wouldn't be sincere. Maybe people don't realize that failure is not the opposite of success. It's part of it. Yeah. I have this quote in the book that I, I like, <laughs> but it's, a, if failure is not an option, then neither is success. Oh, I love that. So what I would recommend is everybody in our quick brain community to be able to pick up this book. A lot of you are in our uh, book a week club, one book a week hashtag. And so I encourage this because here, what I love about this is with your decades of experience, somebody could sit down in a few days and read this book because if you got benefit from this conversation, there's so much more in here. And so not only read it, but also apply it. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for the opportunity. Love talking to you. Thank Thank you you so much. Want to double your brain speed and memory power? If you'd like to learn rapidly and get ahead faster, I'd like to give you my brand new Quick Brain Accelerator program. You will discover exactly what I teach my clients to learn, read, and remember anything in half the time. There is no charge. It's my gift to you for being one of our subscribers. That's kwikbrain.com. Growing up struggling with learning challenges from a childhood brain injury, it's been my life's mission to help you have your very best brain so you can win more every single day. Now, want more quick brain? Here are four ways to fast track your results and lock in what you just learned into your long-term memory. Remember fast, F-A-S-T. The F stands for Facebook. You're not alone on this journey. I invite you to join our free private online group. There you can connect with me, your fellow brain lovers, links to resources, and even submit your questions for me to answer in future episodes. Go to quickbrain.com. That's K-W-I-K brain.com. The A stands for apply. Act on what you learned today. Remember, knowledge is not power. It's potential power. It only becomes power when you use it. So use what you just learned. The S stands for subscribe. Don't miss the next episode and other free brain training. And finally, the T stands for teach. You want to learn faster now? 
The key is to lock it in right away by teaching it to someone else. When you teach something, you get to learn it twice. Here's a simple way to do that. Leave a review on iTunes. Leave a review with your biggest takeaway from this episode. You could also post and share this podcast on your social media. It helps us spread our mission of building better, brighter brains. And of course, tag us so our team can properly thank you. Hashtag quick brain, K-W-I-K brain. Mine is at Jim Quick, K-W-I-K, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So what does FAST stand for? Facebook, apply, subscribe, teach. I'll see you in our next episode of Quick Brain. Until then, remember, you are faster and smarter than you think. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And if you want to go deeper with many of these authors that we have on our podcast, these experts, I want to invite you to join our Quick Success program. This is our monthly lives that I do, where I teach something brand new that we haven't taught before, answer your burning questions. And also we have something that people have been requesting for many years, a quick book club. This is your limitless book club where every single month we read a book together, uh, like a book provided by this author. And then we get the author to come online and join us for a one hour uh, share, going deeper in these strategies, how to put them into practice. Uh, I share my five tips for how to memorize things out of these books. Many people want to read a book a month or build up to that. And this would be the program. So if you want to join, just go to quicksuccess.com and get your spot and join us live and get to meet these authors very uh, up close and personal. And uh, back to the episode.